Amen. We need the Lord. Amen. Praise God. You have your Bibles this morning. Turn to Galatians chapter 1, the book of Galatians chapter 1, the book that Paul wrote to the church at Galatia. We're going to begin a new series today that we've entitled Seven Enemies of the Cross. Seven Enemies of the Cross. Now, this, what we mean by this statement is there's seven things, at least seven things in this world that is fighting against the message of the cross of Jesus Christ. You see, Satan does not want the message of the cross preached within our churches. Satan does not want the message of the cross preached within our nation. Satan is happy if people get, you know, just religious or, you know, they, they, they hear messages of other things. But when it comes to the cross, that is something that just makes Satan shake in his boots. And that is something that he does not want taught, you know, to the people, not just of God, but to the people in general. Now, the first enemy that we're going to see is one that was very prevalent in Paul's day. In fact, Paul mentions this first enemy of the cross in Galatians chapter 1 in verse 13 and 14. Galatians 1, beginning at verse 13. For you have heard of my conversion in times past. Now when Paul says, you have heard of my conversion, what he's saying is there's been a turnaround in my life. We understand that's what the word conversion means. There's been a turnaround in my life. And Paul says, you've heard about this turnaround in my life. You've heard about this conversion, how in times past, the Jewish religion. Now you see, prior to the conversion of Paul, his whole focus was on the Jewish religion. Okay? And that is the first enemy that we're going to look at this morning. The enemy of the cross is the, the religion uh, that's in our world today. So let's read this. For you have heard of my conversion in times past in the Jewish religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church and wasted it. In other words, he's saying the reason for his persecution of the church was due to the religion that he practiced. Now think about that. Because many times when we think of the word religion, we think of God. Many times when we think of the word religion, we think of Jesus. But folks, that's two entirely different things. So he's saying the reason that I persecuted people, uh, you know, the Christians, uh, you know, was because of the religion that I practiced. How beyond measure I persecuted the church and wasted it and profited in the Jews' religion, you see him saying that again, above many of my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous in the tradition of my fathers. Now when he says the tradition of his fathers, again what he's talking about is his religion. Now I want you to notice, prior to Paul's conversion, his entire focus was on the Jewish religion, not the one that the Jews you know, taught about, not the ones that the Jews' religion taught about. You see, Satan doesn't want the true gospel. And when we talk about the true gospel, we're talking about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. He does not want the true gospel to be the message that the world hears. You know, he knows that the true gospel, what it will do is cause people to come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, just like it did with Paul. Even though his focus was on his Jewish religion, even though his focus was on his tra tra tradition of his fathers, when he met Jesus Christ, folks, there was a conversion took place within his life. And even today, when people are introduced to Jesus Christ, when people meet Jesus Christ, let me tell you, if they've truly met Jesus, there's going to be a conversion 
conversion within their life. Old things are going to pass away. Behold, all things are going to become new. So, you know, prior to him coming to Jesus Christ, his entire focus was on that religion. But when he turned from his religion and turned to Jesus Christ, folks, he entered that personal relationship with Jesus Christ and it overrode the, 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 the religion that he was so caught up in. You know, he knew, uh, he knows that true conversion, you know, will come, when it comes about, it's going to do the same thing that it done to the Apostle Paul. No man-made religion can bring people into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Only Jesus Christ can do that. So these seven enemies of the cross that we're going to look at over the next seven weeks, they have been pretty stealth up until this point. Some of them has gone unnoticed and unchallenged for many years. But over the years, these seven enemies have been raising their nasty heads, you know, and coming up out of the closet, if you speak, and they're being challenged finally by some. But over the years, you know, uh, you know, they, 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 they stayed self and people have stayed silent about them. Efforts like taking the Ten Commandments from public squares. What was that all about when they removed the uh, uh, Ten Commandments from public squares in the courthouses? It was wanting to, you know, do away with the message of Jesus Christ, removing prayer from our schools. That was all about removing Jesus Christ from our schools, removing Christmas trees from public squares, even though, you know, Christmas trees may not actually have something to do with Jesus Christ, but, you know, to the world it does. And when they removed Christmas trees from public places, they, the reason for that was to remove Jesus Christ. You know, even in VA hospitals, you know, you can't even send Christmas cards to patients. What's that all about? Is removing Jesus Christ from the public view. Now, enemies of the cross. Enemies of the cross are enemies of God and His divine plan for redemption of mankind. And an enemy of the cross should be an enemy of the people of God. And folks, we should speak out against it. If it's an enemy of God, if it's an enemy of the cross, it should be an enemy of you and I, and we should not be ashamed to speak out about it. So all seven of these uh, enemies that we're going to look at, you know, uh, are being used by the devil to confuse the lost and sidetrack the saved. Now, in war... You cannot gain victory over an enemy until that enemy is first identified and you know his strategy. You must first know who you're fighting if you're going to know how to go about fighting that enemy. Now in this series, excuse me, what I'm going to attempt to do is identify just who or what we as the children of God are fighting against. I believe you're going to find these seven enemies as we go through this very biblical, okay, logically sound, and on the front lines of the Christian battlefield today. Now, there are issues we need to first acknowledge, you know, about our enemy and then equip ourselves to deal with them. So, let's get started. The first adversary that I want you to see uh, against the cross is the world's idea of religion. You see, the one thing that's going to send more people to hell, and you've heard me say this if you've been around here very long, the one thing I believe that's going to send more people to hell than anything else, it's not drugs, it's not alcohol, it's not you know, pornography, it's not child molesting, but the, the thing that's going to send more people to hell, I believe, uh, than anything else is religion because religion helps make people think they're better than what they are. You see, religion gives 
gives people a false sense of security that they are in proper relationship with God. In other words, if they're following what their religion teaches, they think they're in a right relationship with God. That was Paul's problem all that time. He was following the tradition of his fathers. He was following the religion that they taught. Therefore, Paul, as he was killing Christians, therefore, Paul, as he was putting Christians in prison, he thought he was doing right because his religion taught it. Look, I want to tell you up front, the devil is a very religious being, okay? He knows all about religion. In fact, he is the God of religion. And all religions are rooted in deceiving people to think that they're pleasing God by their ritual acts and their commitment to their religion. You see, Satan is, is the God of the flesh and all religions are geared around the flesh. In Matthew, you don't have to turn here, but let me just throw some scriptures out here. In Matthew chapter 4, all three temptations that Satan used against Jesus when he was tempted, you know, in the, uh, in, in the flesh, you know, all of those were geared around religion. In Matthew chapter 13, all seven parables illustrating the kingdom of heaven had to do with the devil and the deception of religion. In Matthew 25, the parable of the ten virgins had to do with the devil and his deception of religion. He tries to deceive Deceive us into believing that if we just follow these religious acts, if we do these religious things, that God is pleased with us. Folks, that is false. It goes totally against the cross. It is an enemy of the cross. But you know, our old carnal fleshly nature, it loves religion. It loves religion. You know, the flesh loves trying to please God by doing all kind of religious stuff, you know. Some people try to please God by, by, by celebrating holy days, you know. Some people try to please God by coming to church on Christmas. That really made God happy, you know. Oh, well, I'll even make him double happy because I'll go on, on Easter this year too. You see, some people think that these things are, are pleasing to God by doing all these religious things, the holy days, practicing rituals, being ceremonial, and obeying all the rules and regulations of my religion. But most religious systems, folks, in the world today, they preach a confusing plan of salvation that actually puts someone in bondage to that religion. Look, before going any further, let me just make one thing clear. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a lifestyle. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ where Christianity worships a living Savior, all religions. Let me say that again. All religions worship a dead symbol. You know, religious worship, you know, uh, 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 you know, religions worship a God with no hope of new life. You take the Buddhist, you know, Buddhist worships a little dead fat man sitting on a stump who, who with no hope of a personal relationship with him. The Muslims worship a dead God created by a dead prophet with no hope of eternal life or a personal relationship with that prophet. You know, the world calls Christianity one of the three, you know, religions of the world, but it's not so because Christianity is not a religion. And when Jesus comes again, folks, the first enemy he's going to destroy is religion. There will be no religion in heaven. There will be no denominations in heaven. All that's going to be in heaven are people who've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. They've been saved as a result of the cross, not the religion that you practice, not the denomination that you 
practiced. All religion is going to be gone, folks, when that trumpet sounds in that eastern sky and the dead in Christ are going to rise and, and then we which are alive and remain. All religion will be gone at that point. That is an enemy of the cross of Jesus Christ. Look, what does God think about religion? What does God have to say about religion? Scripturally speaking, religion has nothing to do with Christ. Let me say that again, because again, that is something that the devil has deceived people into believing that Christ and religion go hand in hand, but they do not. They do not. And, uh, in the King James Version of the Bible, there's only four times, only four times that the word religion is even found in the New Testament. Only four times. I'll throw these scriptures out at you, but Acts 13, 43, Acts 25, 5, or 26, 5, Galatians here in our scripture text 1, 13, and 14, and in James chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Them are the only four times in the New Testament the word religion is used, and in every one of those cases, all four of those cases, uh, cases the, the word religion is used in a negative sense and has nothing to do with Christ. I mean, look at our scripture text. What did Paul say? Man, before my conversion, you know, this religion was everything, but now he realized it's nothing. In other words, it was false. In all four instances, it has to do, it's speaking in the negative sense. Now, the New King James Version, it relates all four of those scriptures, you know, with the word religion. It uses, but there's three other scriptures that it changes the translation to religion that wasn't in the King James. In fact, in uh, Acts chapter 17, verse 22, and Acts chapter 25, 19, and Colossians 2 and 23, that the, the, the New King James changes the wording to religion, but it's also used in the negative sense. In fact, in the Old King James Version of the Bible, you know, these three that were changed in the New King James, you know, uh, uh, change it to the word religion, you know, it would surprise you to know what the King James referred to them as. One is superstition. In other words, it's used two times. The word superstitious or superstition in the Old King James the New King James translates it religion. In the Old King James, self-imposed religion is used, where the New King James just translates it religion. But I want you to notice what the King James says, and that, that's in Colossians 2.23, self-imposed religion. Now, what does that mean to you? Self-imposed religion. That's something you just make up yourself. That's something you just follow yourself. That's something you decide to do on your own, and it has nothing to do with the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, what am I saying here? I'm saying this. The word religion is a negative word. It's a negative word and implies self-righteousness every time it's used in the Bible, and it's an enemy of the cross. You know, if we try to practice Christianity as a religion and not a personal relationship, it will not work for us. Now, the third thing we see here is being religious is not an asset, it's a liability. Listen to me, don't try to be religious, okay? Don't try to be religious because if you try to be religious and you're following a set of religious rules, it's not an asset to you, it's not going to make you closer to God. In fact, it's a liability in your life. Why? Because that's a self-imposed thing you're putting upon yourself. It's a lifestyle, folks, that we live as Christians. 
trying to live our life as Jesus Christ, trying to be little Christ, trying to exemplify Christ, trying to be an example to Christ in this world. We need to recognize religion is our enemy, and it's an enemy that we must fight, or it will turn us into a self-righteous religious phony, just like it did Paul. That's what Paul was. He was a self-righteous religious phony, but when he laid his religion aside, folks, he entered a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, why do you think it's politically incorrect to say something negative about Muslims and Islam? I'll guarantee you, you say anything negative about Muslims, you say anything negative about Islam, you're going to be labeled a, you know, a, a, a racist, you're going to be la- labeled you know, politically incorrect, yet Christianity is an open target. It's an open target in our world today. Why do you think military people can be charged for burning a Quran, you know, and speaking against it, but the Bible can be burnt, the Bible can be ripped apart, and nothing is said about it? Folks, it's because, you know, Satan, you know, is trying to destroy the message of the cross of Jesus Christ. I'll tell you why. Because Christianity is a, it's a threat to religion, and religion is an enemy of the cross. You see, Satan has deceived us into into thinking the enemy is human adversaries while all along what the enemy is, it's religion that's destroying the message of the cross. You know, the Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, he's talking to us Christians in the battle that we're in on a daily basis. It's not against flesh and blood. He says, but it's against principalities against powers, uh, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. What's he talking about? He's talking about we're in a battle with Satan and his demons, folks. Nothing that we can see, nothing that we can touch. In other words, our enemy is not something that can be seen or felt. It's something of the spiritual realm. And more wars have been fought over religion than anything else. More people have been killed in the name of religion than any other cause. What was happening in Paul's day? People were being killed. Look, religion divides more churches than anything else. Practicing Christianity as a religion only creates cold, dead churches rather than live, vibrant churches. If we try to gather together and we worship in religion, folks, I don't care what happens in that church as far as people running around shouting, lifting their hands or whatever. You know, it's a dead church. It's a dead church. Look, religion will destroy. Religion will destroy your personal relationship with Christ and entice you to be self-righteous. And worst of all, it will deceive you into thinking, thinking you are serving God. Look, we have a lot of religious people in our churches But being religious doesn't put one in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Again, look at Paul. There was no more, there was no no other person as religious as Paul during his time. But he wasn't in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ until he met him on that road. Look, we have a lot of people in a lot of churches who may be religious, 
but they lack a personal relationship with Christ. We have a lot of religious people in Washington, D.C., you know, who say they're religious and they're making laws for us to live under, you know, but being religious does not put them in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Being religious will only hinder our personal relationship with Christ, and because of that, it is an enemy of the cross. Look, Jesus didn't die in order for you to be religious. Let me say that again. Jesus didn't come to this earth, go through what he went through, just so for you to be religious. He died in order that you could have a personal relationship with him and the Father. That was why he died. Now, the second thing we see here is this. Religion is man's attempt to make himself right with God. You see, religion, you know, causes one to attempt to be made right with God by keeping a set of laws or a set of written rules. While it sounds good and reasonable, in reality, it's defying the work of the cross and the blood that was shed for us. Look at Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, verse 21. What we're going to see here in this passage is the difference between believers who trust in Christ only and those who trust in the law, that is, being religious. Paul said this, Galatians 4, 21. Tell me... You that desire to be under the law. Now, in other words, there were some of these Galatians still wanting to be under the law, still wanting to practice religion, still wanting to do it their way. He says, do you not hear the law? In other words, listen to what this law that you're wanting to follow, listen to what this religion that you're wanting to follow is saying to you. Do you not hear what the law is saying? Do you not understand the law is an enemy to what Christ has done for us? He says, for it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman by promise. Now what Paul is doing here is using an allegory with Hagar and Sarah and Isaac and Ishmael as emblems of two different dispensations of the covenant. Okay, the heavenly Jerusalem, the true church from above is represented here by Sarah and is a state of freedom and, and the mother of all believers who are born of the Holy Spirit. And then there are those who experience, these are those who experience that personal relationship that God so desires. The one represented by Hagar, you know, are those who adhere to a set of laws. In other words, they're following their religion, they're following this religion, those who practice religion, who defy those who claim up the personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So what is the problem with religion? Here's what religion does. Religion denies the work of Christ. Religion denies the work of Christ on the cross and the grace and the mercy that God bestows upon us. That's what religion does. Look, if, think about this. If religion could have made us right with God, if religion could have put us in right standing with God, there would have been no need for Jesus Christ to leave heaven, come to this corrupt earth, go through the pain and suffering that he went through, spelt his blood all around the ground on the bottom of the cross. There would have been no need for that. But religion will not put one in a proper relationship with God, period. Look, religion will not make one right with God. Religion fights against the cross of Christ and as a result is daily sending people to a hell, devil's hell, that was prepared for the devil and his angels. Look, 
let, let, let's go to the next thing here. Yeah, religion seeks after justice where crea uh, Christianity seeks after mercy. Don't miss that. You see, if you're one who feels like others need to pay for their wrongdoing or face penalties of their wrongdoing and, and think uh, about them uh, uh, and think nothing of them receiving mercy from Jesus Christ, then you're probably caught up in a religious mindset. Here's what I mean by that. Look at Islam. You know, it's all about making the infidels pay for their wrong. That's what it's, uh, Islam is all about. It's all about you know, making the infidels pay for their wrongdoing. Now, who is an infidel? Look, if you're not a part of the Islam religion, you're an infidel. And what they teach is all infidels must pay for their wrongdoing. Therefore, you don't deserve mercy. You deserve death. Folks, that's what religion teaches. That's what religion does. Religion is more interested in seeing people punished and receive justice for their wrongdoing than see people repent and receive mercy and grace from God. Now, the next thing here is religion wars with grace. In other words, religion, it butts heads with grace because religion don't understand grace. Religion doesn't understand mercy of God. Religion wars with grace. You see, religion wants nothing to do with grace because it wants to feel like it's right with God because somehow it has earned right standing with God by being good and keeping all the rules. You see, grace humiliates religion because grace admits to weakness and failure. You see, by, uh, for we're saved by grace through faith. In other words, we come to that point in our life that we admit, I have sin. I have weaknesses. You know, I cannot do this on my own. But religion justifies its actions while grace humbly realizes the failure and attempts of mercy. Look, it is the goal of religion to degrade the seriousness of sin so it doesn't feel so bad, thus avoiding the need to repent and receive God's mercy. Look, religion also has no, uh, no security of salvation. You know, because if you have to be good, religion teaches you have to follow a set of rules. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. So you're not able to do that. Therefore, you never have a sense of security in your salvation if you're following religion. Let's talk about that for a moment. The major difference in religion and Christianity is in this area of being confident in our relationship with God and the security of our salvation. You see, we, you know, as Christians understand, you know, that, that once we're saved, we're saved. Okay, we can't lose that salvation. But religion is always saying you can lose it, you got to get it back. You can use it, you got you lose it, you got to get it back. Look, any time a person stresses over the idea of losing their salvation, it's a direct result of a religious mindset. If you're always worried about, have I lost my salvation because I didn't follow this rule, I didn't do this, I didn't do that, you are one who has a religious mindset and thinks you have to please God in order to continue to be saved. And that's an enemy of the cross. That's an enemy of the cross. When we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, the Bible teaches we're sealed until the day of redemption. We're sealed until the day of redemption. Look, 
If a person knows the loving and merciful nature of God, we realize that repentance and acceptance of the work of Christ on the cross is all we need to be in right standing with him. Unfortunately, you know, there are those who fear the loss of their salvation because, you know, the way of being right with God is something they feel they have to earn and they can't earn it because they can't live that perfect life. Now, the last thing is this. Religion denies the work of Christ on the cross. You see, religion is something that keeps many people from receiving what Christ, uh, you know, has purchased for them. And we're talking about eternal life. We're talking about a relationship with God. It denies the work of Christ and the love of God, rejecting the mercy that God wants so dearly for us to receive and, and, and puts an invisible, you know, mental wall between us and the love of God. The Bible tells us that if you're trying to be made right by, uh, with God by good works, then you have fallen from grace. Think about that. If you think you have to be made right with God by good works, Paul says that you have fallen from grace and the work of Christ is of no avail to you. Here's what he said in Galatians 5, 4. Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever are justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. In other words, you don't understand grace. Christ is no effect to you if your focus is on your religious acts then you're denying the grace of God. You're denying the mercy of God. And it's not going to work. It's no wonder Satan so diligently, you know, works so diligently to infect God's people with a religious mindset. Look, religious strongholds will keep us from knowing God intimately and receiving what was freely given to us. Peace with God, healing, deliverance, eternal salvation. The mindset will deny the very means of our reconciliation with God and the work of Christ on the cross. You see, Jesus presented in religious theology is not the Jesus of the Bible. Let me say that again. The Jesus presented in religious theology is not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible does not condemn you like the religious Jesus does. Religion also keeps the non-believers from accepting Jesus. They feel like, well, I've made too many mistakes, too many mistakes to be accepted by God. You know what? If you're seeking salvation through religion, you have made too many mistakes. You can't do it. But if you're seeking religion through a person, I mean, if you're seeking salvation through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, all those past mistakes doesn't matter. Because once we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, all those sins of the past are cast as far as the east is from the west, the Bible tells us. They, they know more. You're starting afresh with Jesus Christ. Religion can't do that. Religion will just keep telling you you're too bad, you'll never be good enough, you know, look at all you've done. But Jesus Christ, in His grace and His mercy, will forgive anything we have done in the past. You see, the truth is, is that Jesus loves us for who we are, not what we have done. And before we even came to Christ, He laid down His, before we even were saved, 
He laid down his life for us. Before we were even, you know, uh, while we still had sin in our life, he laid down his life for us. What did he say, in, uh, Paul say in Romans 5, 8? But God commanded his love toward you, okay? While you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. You know why he had to do that? Because religion, even the religion of Paul's day, even the Jewish religion, was not enough to do away with the sins of the people. The only thing that can do away with your sins, your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins, the only thing that can do away with them, folks, is not religion. It's the blood of Jesus Christ and what he did on Mount Calvary. God commanded his love toward you. Not after you cleaned up your act, not after you started carrying out a bunch of religious rules and, 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 and rituals. No, he commanded his love toward you while you were the sinner. And he wants you just as you are this morning. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, maybe you said, well, I, I've been trying to do all this good stuff in my life. I'm trying to get my life you know, right. I'm trying to get my act together is what people always say. Can I tell you something? You'll never get your act together. I never got my act together. In fact, some would say I still don't got it together, but, you know, that's personal opinion. But it doesn't matter if my act is together or not. I've received the grace of God upon my life. And because of that, I know that the day I close these eyes in death and I draw that final breath, that I'm going to be with my Lord and Savior in spite of all the mistakes I've made in my life. How do I know that? Not because of religion. Not because I'm a pastor. Not because I'm a Baptist. That has nothing to do with it. I can have that assurance because I know I'm in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as a result of accepting his death, his burial, and his resurrection as a result of accepting the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can do that here this morning, too, if you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Savior. We're going to give you that opportunity here in just a moment. We're going to have a song of invitation. And if you know, don't know Christ as your personal Savior, if you've been trying to get your act together, you've been trying to do right, you've been trying, you know, on your own, you've been trying a religion, you know, I... I talked to a person here a year or so ago who's tried, you know, all different type of religions, okay? They've tried Catholic, they've tried Baptist, they've tried Pentecostal, even the Mormon church. They've tried the Mormon church. You know, that's a person searching for something they have no idea what they're looking for when all along it's right there in front of them, hanging on the cross. Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come.